This is Novel Marketing, the show that gives you innovative ideas on how to sell more books. With your host, agent, author, and marketing maven, Thomas Umstead Jr. And best-selling, award-winning author and marketing guru, James L. Rubart. Episode 179. I'm James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about 12 marketing terms you must understand. And this episode actually comes from one of our listeners, Jennifer Rempel, who suggested we do an episode with, quote, a definition of terms for all the marketing jargon. And Thomas, you and I uh, talked about this the other day, and we realized we get caught in a mistake that a lot of people do in most people do in most industries where we come up with all these terms or sorry, we don't come up with them, but we know all these terms that refer to various aspects of marketing and it becomes like a different language. And if you're not versed in marketing terms and language, people listening to the podcast can often go, okay, I have no idea what that that means. And they didn't explain it. So what we want to do with this episode, and we really think it could turn into a series is we want to take all these terms that are so familiar to us, but maybe not necessarily familiar to you, tell you what they mean, and then tell you how it applies to your marketing. That's right. So in a sense, this is like a quick tactics episode where we're going to talk about lots of different things you can do to sell more books or different ideas as we explain these terms. So this is going to be a practical episode, but it's also going to be a a foundational episode. So I'm giving this the official marketing 101 moniker, which are very uh, stingy (laughs) with with these episodes. This is (laughs) an official marketing 101 episode. We're going to go over some key terms, uh, which is classic, you know, 101 material to make sure you understand what we're talking about. This will help make all of our other episodes more uh, helpful. Okay. So Thomas, let's dive in. What's, what's number one on our list? The first buzzword or ter- marketing term is lead magnet, uh, also called a reader magnet. I used to call these carrots, uh, which is the same idea, but lead magnet is the official kind of industry standard term. And it is the immediate reward someone gets for signing up for a newsletter. And this isn't just for authors. This is any newsletter. It's like, get this tip sheet, right? Type in your email address or unlock a free story or get access to um, a free course. So at authormedia.com, my website, we have a free course on how to have an effective author website. It's a complete course that I put together, the kind of course that would normally cost $25 or $50. uh, And it's free for people who sign up and it drips out over several emails. That is a lead magnet. Next term is PR, which stands for public relations. And most of you know that, but just real quickly, PR essentially is free exposure about you and your products. It could be on the internet. It could be radio. It could be TV, newspapers, emails, interviews. Word of mouth is certainly PR. And often you have to pay for PR. You have to hire somebody to get the free publicity, but you can also do it on your own. You can create your own PR, your own public relations if you have the um, desire to do that. And we actually did an episode recently, episode 175, on exactly that. And while we're talking about episodes, we do have a couple on lead magnets to go back one definition. So episode 145 is how to create a lead magnet. And episode 118 is actually another Book Marketing 101 episode, and it's about marketing funnels, which will give you kind of a big picture of how the lead magnet works into your overall strategy. 
All right, our next term is advertising. Uh, Jim, what is advertising and is it the same as marketing? Well, no, it's not the same as marketing, or I guess we could say marketing is the overarching umbrella. And underneath that umbrella, you have various things like PR and advertising. All ham is pork, but not all <laughs> pork is ham. <laughs> exactly. Very good. So anytime you pay to get exposure, that's advertising. You're advertising when you run a Facebook ad or an AMS ad, Amazon marketing services ad, a radio, TV, all those kind of things. Those things, when you are paying for exposure, uh, when you are paying to get the word out about you or your product, that's advertising. And I will say, I see people use this term incorrectly. Even industry professionals will often use the term advertising when they really mean marketing. So while all advertising is marketing, not all marketing is advertising. Marketing is very, very broad. It's all efforts uh, to promote your book and help your book sell more from the photo of you on the back cover to your website. All of those things are marketing, whereas only the things that you pay for for promotional purposes are advertising. Okay, next, Thomas, is KPI, which I think is really important for authors to know and then apply to their career. Why don't you uh, take a stab at this one? Yeah, this is corporate jargon, <laughs> more so than it's <laughs> author jargon. Uh, so these are things often that if you're traditionally published, KPIs are something that your traditional publisher or staff will pay very close attention to. But it's something, if you're indie, uh, is something that you should be tracking. And it stands for key performance indicator. These are things that you are measuring to see if your performance is going up or going down. Was 2019 a better year or a worse year than 2018? How do you know? You look at your key KPIs. So some things that could be KPIs are like number of books sold. So straight up units of books or dollars made, like total dollars or profits made. So it could be that you bought a lot of ads, which caused you to sell more books and uh, make more money on the top line, but you spent so much money on ads, you actually made less money overall, which is why it's important to have multiple KPIs. You don't want to just look at one metric because it's easy to game it, right? If all you're measuring is books sold, well, obviously you buy lots of ads and you make your books cost zero dollars, right? <laughs> That's the best way to have a lot of books, quote unquote, sold, but it may not be what you're wanting to measure. And so you'll sometimes hear people talking about KPIs or what are your, how are you doing with your KPIs? And those are just three examples. You may have other KPIs. Maybe your KPI is uh, media mentions, right? The number of times you get mentioned in the mainstream media or uh, the number of times you get mentioned in alternative media like blogs and podcasts. All of those things can be KPIs. And you might say right now, this season, for the next month, your key performance indicator for your career, the one that stands out to you is I have to grow my newsletter list. So your key performance indicator is I'm growing by 100 people every week. Okay, great. How can we increase that? It, it, it's a term that you can apply, as Thomas said, to a, a number of various parts of your marketing plan. 
And not just marketing, writing too, right? So your KPI could be the number of books you're publishing every year or the number of words you're writing every day or the number of uh, chapters you're finishing every month. Uh, it's a useful tool and you can track it on a spreadsheet, which is really fun for nerds like me. Really easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very much, it's one of those Alice in Wonderland things where, uh, where do you want to go? I don't know. Well, any road will get you there. And a, a lot of authors don't have a key performance indicator, like Thomas said, even for their writing. When you start putting those goals out and go, okay, I want to have a certain word count. That's my key performance indicator for my writing or number of books or number of newsletter signups or number of books sold. Uh, it will really, even for non-detailed people, it will really clarify what you need to do next and clarify your efforts. And final thing on KPIs, they need to be SMART, SMART, which is an acronym for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-Bound. Uh, so uh, good KPIs have all of those elements. We did a whole episode on SMART goals like a million years ago. I'll uh, dig it up <laughs> and put a link to it in the show notes. And our next one is earned media. Jim, what is earned media? Well, earned media and PR, they're kind of they're kind of cousins. Um, essentially, earned media, when you hear marketing people talk about earned media, it's any media you get when somebody shares your content voluntarily. So on Facebook, when somebody shares your post, that's earned media. When something goes viral, you're getting a lot of earned media. So if they share it on Facebook or Twitter or any social media platform and they tell their friends about it, that's earned media. All right. So let's talk about conversion rate. Uh, conversion rate has to is a is a it's actually it could be considered a KPI, uh, but it's a common one used for measuring the success of specific pages. Uh, so if you have a landing page on your website where you are giving away the lead magnet, uh, uh, you know, so the landing, uh, landing page is actually a, a bonus term I'll define right now. Bonus term. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a page that you use advertising or some other kind of promotional tool to draw people sp straight to that page. So it's not your homepage. It's a specific deep page where you want people to make a specific action and to do a specific thing. And sometimes landing pages are what are called squeeze pages, where there's literally only one thing you can do. So there's no menu. There's no way to get to the homepage. The only way off that page is to fill out the form or to click the button or <laughs> to do the one thing you're squeezing people towards. Um, a conversion rate is the percentage of people who do the thing you want them to do. So if we bring 100 people to our landing page to download the free short story, if 50 of the, if 50 of those people um, go on to download the free short story, there's a conversion rate of 50% on that landing page. Uh, so these all kind of tie together. And maybe by converting the landing page into a squeeze page and taking away all of those buttons and navigation and links to other places, you're able to increase your conversion rate from 50% to 60% or whatever. Uh, so that's uh, what a conversion rate is. And knowing that conversion rate can help you determine where you're going to spend your time because you only have so many hours in the day and certainly a limited amount of hours to do marketing. And if you know this particular Avenue is converting at a much higher rate than this one. You can either fix the the one, as Thomas was indicating, or you can say, you know what, that's only converting at five percent. This one over here is converting at twenty five percent. We're going to put more effort into this tool. 
That's right, which is a great way uh, to measure. Speaking of measuring, uh, we have some more uh, terms. Don't go away, but real quick, our sponsor for today is the Tax and Business Guide for Authors. It is tax season right now. And we have an excellent course uh, that I created with my uh, father, who's a CPA. He's been working with authors for over 35 years. And we talk about taxes for authors. We talk about 19 tax deductions that some authors can take advantage of. Not all authors qualify. We talk about how and why uh, you can qualify. We talk about if and when to create an LLC. And and if you decide it is time, how to do that, how to create a business plan, how to start making money before your book comes out, and so much more. I highly encourage you to check out this course. And it is on sale through the end of February. So click the link in the show notes or in your app to activate the coupon to get that uh, for 50% off. Okay, Thomas, back to the terms. Uh, Bounce rate. What is bounce rate? Bounce rate. You hear this with regard to your website and internet and uh, explain what bounce rate is to us. Yeah, so bounce rate, a lot of these terms are really important. Uh, This one is not for authors, but it's a big deal in Google Analytics Uh, And so a lot of people feel like they need to pay attention to bounce rate or to get their bounce rate low. A bounce rate is the number of people who come to your website and leave immediately after visiting your website, Uh, which normally, like if you're running an e-commerce store, is a really important metric, right? They came and they were looking for blue widgets. They clicked a link. They came to what your website. They couldn't find blue widgets. They only could find yellow widgets. So they uh, left. Uh, The reality, though, is that if you're a blogger, especially, and someone comes to your website and they spend five minutes reading your blog and then leaving. And then next week when there's a new blog, they come and they spend five minutes reading that one and they leave. They have a 100% bounce rate. (laughs) So, But those are positive (laughs) encounters. This is why knowing what your KPIs are, uh, your key performance indicators is so important. So for an e-commerce store, or if you're running a store Uh, for your books on your website, bounce rate's really important because you want people to click, click, click and go through the checkout process. If you have a blog, bounce rate is not important. And instead, a key performance indicator for your website could be time on site, right? You want people to spend as much time as possible reading your blog. Uh, So that's what bounce rate is and whether or not you should pay attention to it. I like it. Okay, Thomas, we've got one that's similar. Piggybacking on that, and that is CTR, click through rate. Take us through that one. Yeah. So click through rate is the um, rate uh, people click on your ad. Uh, So you'll see this in Facebook ads. You'll see this on Amazon ads. And it's the percentage of people who saw your ad or were presented with your ad because not every person sees everything on every screen uh, who went on to click. And typically the higher the click through rate, the better. pretty much universally. It means that your ad is matching your audience really well. If you have a low click-through rate, there's a thousand things that could be broken (laughs) to cause the click-through rate to be low. And let's let's make this real visual for you guys. We've talked about AMS ads in the past, uh, an Amazon marketing service ad. And you guys have all seen these when you go to a product on Amazon and at the top, you'll see sponsored and you'll see a product there. If you see that product ad, Amazon describes that as an impression. If you click on that ad and actually go to the page that is selling that product, that's a click-through. So if you've got uh, 10,000 impressions and you have two people that actually clicked on the ad and went to the page, that's a very low click-through rate. And as Thomas is saying, that's probably not doing you much good. 
But if you have 10,000 people uh, that have clicked on that ad and gone through, that's a high click-through rate. That's an impossible click-through. No, ain't nobody get 100% click-through rate. Uh, although, if you have if you have a 100% click-through rate on an ad, reach out to us at novelmarketing.com. We'd love to get you on the show. Find out how you did that. You are, you're, if, if you're doing that, you're probably giving genuine gold bricks away for free. <laughs> And even then, people wouldn't wouldn't click through. <laughs> no, wouldn't believe. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next term is friction. Uh, Jim, what is friction? Well, friction. You know, from high school physics, um, friction is anything that slows down something in motion, and friction is everywhere. Uh, I think space is the only place where there is no friction. Is that correct? Because uh, you don't have any resistance, a satellite will keep going forever. But on Earth, we have friction, um, and that's what slows a car down. Let's stop with the physics lesson and let's go into how it applies to marketing. Friction in marketing is anything that slows somebody down from knowing more about you, diving deeper into your website, ordering one of your books. In a real practical way, friction is anything on your site that stops people or slows them down to the point that they want to leave. So for example, if your site loads slowly, that's friction. And I think, Thomas, you have statistics on uh, if a site is like over three seconds to load, people typically will leave. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah. For every second additional it takes for your site to leave uh, to load, um, fewer people will stick around. So people will get impatient. But even if they do stick around, they spend less time on the page ultimately, and it puts them in a worse mood. <laughs> so they're less likely to enjoy the um, experience and Amazon actually did a lot of experiments with with speed of a site because they would cause the site to run extra slow for some people during experimental phases to see how that changed their behavior and the reality is is that speed actually has a huge impact on uh, people's encounters with your website and how much uh, they will engage with you. And that's just one point of friction. Other points of friction are like how many times they have to click, right? How hard it is to navigate your website, right? So if I click on your book cover on your website and I can't be taken to a page where I buy your book, like if it takes me to a bigger version of that book cover or something that I'm not expecting, uh, that's all friction. And I will say that Amazon.com has been scientifically designed to reduce friction as much as possible, right? That's why there's one-click checkout. That's why they keep your credit card on file. That's why you can buy books directly on your Kindle. All of those things are designed to reduce friction and why Amazon has taken over the world. So uh, friction is one of Amazon's key performance indicators. So they're constantly trying to reduce friction for their customers. They don't care about you as an author. They only care about their customers and improving their their customers' um, experiment, experience and satisfaction. And friction is one, why, one reason we continually encourage you to have people come to your website that have not been there before and ask them what the experience was like. Because if it's confusing, if they weren't sure what to do, if the site was too busy, you got too much going on there, that's all friction that's gonna hurt you. So again, Take people that you don't know, people you write at a, meet at a writing conference, other authors say, hey, let's swap. Take a look at my site. I'll take a look at yours. Tell me what's working for you, what's not working. And over a period of time, you can really improve your site dramatically simply by asking that question. All right. Our next term is PPC, and it stands for pay per click. And this is the ad model that's very popular on the internet right now. 
so in the early days of the internet, when banner ads were king, people paid for impressions. So you got paid the same way that you would pay for a TV ad. Uh, so television ad or radio ad, typically the cost of that advertisement is based off of CPM, which is another bonus term. Uh, CPM is uh, price per thousand. Cost cost per thousand. Yeah, sorry. Uh, cost per thousand. And you're like, thousand? Why isn't it CPT? It's like, well, it's Roman numeral M. I didn't create the acronym. That's just how it is. Uh, <laughs> so, and that's how the internet was priced, right? That's how you do newspapers. That's how you do radio. Surely this will work for the internet. And what happened and what created the dot-com crash in uh, the year 2000 and 2001 was this uh, phenomenon known as banner blindness, where people were not seeing the ad. Uh, They would just, their eyes would glance away from the banner advertisement. And so the model that Facebook uses and most websites use, Google ads use this, is pay-per-click, where you only pay for the people who actually click on your ads. So that if people are banner blind to your ads or the website owner is hiding your advertisement somewhere on the page, you don't still have to pay for that impression. And uh, this is often used as like PPC advertising is often used as a term for all of the digital advertising, whether it's on Facebook or Goodreads or Amazon, all of them are PPC or can be PPC. Facebook's actually very complicated and you could do other ways, (laughs) but primarily it's PPC is how people engage with it. Our next term is ROI, and you guys have probably heard this one a lot of times, and it stands for return on investment, which is essentially tells you it's an examination of what did I get for what I spent. Uh, And the spent can be time as well. Um, Your return on investment, the investment does not necessarily have to mean cash. It can be time. And our friend Randy Ingermanson that we talk a lot about on the program here, he's great because he will get in uh, marketing discussions with authors and authors will go, Oh my gosh, Facebook is working so well for me. It's, it's just really working well for me. How, and Randy will go, well, how do you know? Oh, I just know I get lots of comments. Uh, yeah, but what's the return on investment? How many more books did you sell with all the time and you invested on Facebook? Well, I don't know that, but I, but I know a lot of people were commenting and liking my posts and engaged. And I love how Randy brings it back to, No, you need to know your return on investment, whether it's cash, whether it's time, you need to examine it and say, yes, this achieved my goal. And maybe the goal is not selling more books, but maybe your goal with your investment of time on Facebook is to increase your newsletter subscribers. Great. But without examining that ROI, you could be spending a lot of time in a lot of areas that are not benefiting you in any way. So, Jim, do you think that it could be said that ROI is a key KPI? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I love love it when you talk like that, Thomas. (laughs) And if you understood that uh, that sentence, you're paying attention to the the episode. So, return on investment is a key, key performance indicator. It's not the only one, but it's an important one. All right. Our final term. And we do want to know, uh, leave a comment either in the Facebook group or on novelmarketing.com. If you like these um, jargon breaking down episodes, like if you want us to zoom in and just do website jargon or just do uh, indie jargon, if you want us to do more episodes in this, let us know. And if you didn't like this episode, let us know. You're not going to hurt our feelings. We really do want to hear from you. Yeah. Our final topic is evergreen. Uh, I assume that this doesn't mean it's a form of tree. What does evergreen mean? 
<laughs> yeah. So evergreen is essentially content that will still be relevant years from now. Um, for for example, a great cookbook or a, a great book on the basics of managing money um, or a story like the Chronicles of Narnia has been relevant for what, 60 years now, over 60 years um, is, is evergreen content. It will continue to sell and sell and sell. Books like uh, the Y2K crisis, those are not evergreen. Those last for a very short period of time. Or books on celebrities, a book on a football star, uh, that might last a few years. But once he stops playing, that book really is irrelevant. And so evergreen content, for example, Thomas, I, here's an example. I think your blog post, your viral blog post on courtship, I think that will continue to be evergreen for for a few years to come, that thing still has some life in it. Would you agree? Well, it's interesting. It's actually no longer the most popular post on my blog um, because the debate on courtship has more or less been won, right? There's no one really pushing against me on this. You know, the people still believe in courtship, and but they're keeping their heads down and hiding and, and you know, <laughs> they're not engaging anymore online like they used to. Uh, the post that's actually become the virals, their current like evergreen post is one I wrote about why women feel undateable, or sorry, why women feel unwanted and men feel undateable. And it's all about confidence. And uh, that post is constantly getting views and flaring up on social media. And that seems to be the current evergreen star. It's not that no one's reading the courtship, uh, why Courtship is fundamentally flawed post, but it's this new one is actually the current evergreen uh, post, which is interesting. And I'd only know that because I'm actually looking at the views in Google Analytics. But that does that make that makes sense because yeah, the courtship thing you wrote a book on it, you, you, it went through the, the war back and forth. Whereas dating, we assume that's going to be going on for quite a few years to come. And you're talking about that issue with why do men not feel dateable or however you described it. Um, so that's that's a really good example. And so what we want to encourage you to do is some of you write on topics that are going to be done. It's going to be like the newspaper thrown out the next day. But we encourage you also to write content on your uh, your blogs, on your posts that somebody could come back to in a year or two years or even 10 years like the example Thomas gave. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with writing a book about a current topic. I mean, Michael Hyatt's very famous. How did he become a New York Times bestselling author? By writing a book on Y2K. <laughs> like that was his first book uh, that really rocketed him uh, in terms of uh, book sales. But I am going to have a link uh, if you're curious about my blog post about confidence and why uh, women feel unwanted and men feel undateable. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> All right, patron of the week. So let me talk just a, a little bit about patrons before we go to patron of the week. And and that's simply a thank you to all of you who are patrons. We could not do this show without you. And for those of you who are saying, well, what's a patron? How do I help out? Well, what are you talking about? Um, you can go to novelmarketing.com and look at the buttons along the top and you'll see one that says patron. Click on it. Basically, patrons help support this show with a small monthly monetary contribution and you'll get discounts on all our products, a monthly patrons only Q and a episode where you get to send in your specific questions as well as other goodies. So if you'd like to help us out and be a patron, uh, go to novelmarketing.com and click on the button that says patron. 
And our patron of the week uh, for episode 179 is 52 Churches, A Year-Long Journey Encountering God, His Church, and Our Common Faith by Peter DeHaan, uh, who urges Christians to push past the status quo and re-examine their practices. So thank you, Peter, for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. You have been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.